to a special post-election edition of EXM, folks. I've got retired U.S. Air Force Colonel and the host of the Rob Manus Show, Rob Manus, with me. Rob, thanks for being here. Uh, thanks for having me on, Drew. It's good to be in the studio. Well, it's good to have you. This is, uh, it's different. We've got a different table here. Yeah. I've got real, real human clothes on instead of a t-shirt. <laughs> Uh, and today, we're just going to spend some time going over the highlights of last night's election uh, and what it means for America moving forward. OpsLens contributor and political analyst David Cammy, owner, and also LifeSet political contributor Connor Wolf will both join us later in the show to provide their insight. But let's start here. Just to put this out there, I'm frankly both shocked and elated that the GO, uh, GOP was able to pull off some key victories last night in Florida. Uh, it's always a critical state when it comes yeah. to elections, whether it's presidential, whether it's Senate, whatever, just the impact that it has moving forward is big. Uh, but starting here, you know, you've got, you've got Andrew Gillum, who, by all accounts, at least, at least if you ask me, uh, again, I'm, I'm not the political guru here, but it looked pretty darn good for Gillum. Uh, I think the Democrats got a surprise uh, last night, as a matter of fact. Uh, they put a lot of money into the state, not just in the, into the uh, governor's race, but in the uh, Florida 6 district race, which Ron DeSantis came from. Yeah. Uh, they put a huge amount of money in there, and Special Forces uh, retired Lieutenant Colonel uh, Mike Waltz uh, pulled that one off, uh, you know, and uh, the Senate race. Uh, uh, but Gillum, is a, he is a good candidate. Uh, he is... Uh, uh, I've run for office before, and he, he, is as, he comes off as well as any veteran uh, that I've ever seen. It reminded me a lot of a Democrat, John James. John James, yep. the combat veteran that ran up in Michigan against uh, Debbie Stabenow. Yep. Uh, and uh, uh, it, so uh, I, was, uh, I was pleasantly surprised uh, to wake up in Florida today and realize that it was still part of a republic, uh, in a, a state, in a national republic of the United States of America and not run by what I think is a socialist. Really. Absolutely. Well, you've got Bernie yeah. Sanders coming down to support him. Yeah. All of his ideas, you know, it's just basically free shit for everyone. Uh, so that's, yeah. that, you know, that, that, yeah. that, that reeks of socialism. Thought he was going to win. Uh, and, and to me, I was really terrified not of just, you know, what it was like, what's life like under, you know, Governor Andrew Gillum if, if it plays out that way. But, but where things go from there, because I really think that this guy was an up-and-comer. I don't know what happens to him now with this loss, but I think he was an up-and-comer that, had he won this seat, would have, would have been in that presidential you know, discussion years from now. And, and probably because of, you know, let's just be honest, his background, you know, these progressive socialist ideas, and then also race, those all, those all play in. And that would have been kind of a, 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 a multi-headed monster going into presidential elections moving forward. Well, take it from somebody with experience in running a federal, state-level race and doing well but not winning, uh, Gillum's going to be around for a long time. Uh, and folks in the state of Florida, uh, you know, people come here and move here because of the great economic prospects we have here, and that's not due to socialist policies. That's due to capitalism and due to the freedom of the United States of America. So y'all need to take care when you're voting and make sure you're voting for the continuance of those policies and not the ending of them, which is what Mr. Gillum was running on. Yeah, no, for sure. For sure. Oh, yeah. and, 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 I'm, and I'm sure you're right. I mean, I'm sure that he will be around yeah. uh, for some time. Let's stick, uh, let's stick with Florida, though. Rick Scott. So, so now there's the discussion. He was named the winner, you know, in a tight race, taking out yeah. uh, Bill Nelson, who's been around since like 2,000 years ago. Uh, I think it's actually 18 years, but he's, he's been around a long time. So tough race. Rick Scott edges him out last night. Now there's talk about a recount. 
Um, by all accounts, it still looks good for, for Scott from, from what we've seen and what I've read. Uh, but what are your thoughts on that race? Well, he has been declared the winner. So, uh, so what Mr. Nelson does uh, with a recount request and those kind of things, uh, I guess, is his business. So, but I think it's a huge victory. It's not a, just a victory for Florida. As you know, a, a Senate seat is a victory for the United States to have somebody that will help uh, the president with his policies, which have been very, very good for the United States of America yeah. and, most importantly, for the people of the United States of America. Uh, so I look forward to Scott uh, joining the team up in the U.S. Senate. Uh, again, it's just part of a huge victory for the President of the United States. You know, flipping potentially four U.S. Senate seats in one election is incredibly hard to do. Uh, and it appears that we're on a path to do that if Montana works out. Right? Yeah, absolutely. No, no, I think really positive results there. Speaking of Montana, let's move on to kind of the national picture. Uh, there were a lot of very significant races that we, along with everyone else, uh, were tracking last night. It was a late night last night, folks. Uh, so in Arizona, former A-10 pilot, uh, something that you can respect being an aviator yourself, former A-10 pilot uh, and Senate candidate Martha McSally uh, had the edge over, uh, or has the edge, I guess is what we should say, over Christian Cinema. Uh, with hundreds of thousands of votes still out. Uh, it's yet to be called, uh, but this is a close one that kind of like here, uh, of course, Rick Scott was declared the winner, um, but here it looks like she's going to win, but it's not, it's not yet done. What are your, what are your thoughts on it? Well, uh, she's in the driver's seat right now, but it's not by very much. It's just uh, less than a percentage point, I believe. So we've got to wait for those absentee ballots to be fully counted. Uh, uh, as you said, there's over 100,000 votes out. That could swing either way yeah. uh, on just uh, five or 10,000 votes. So uh, we've got to wait uh, and see. Unfortunately, I think uh, retired Colonel McSally is going to win eventually. Uh, Arizona is uh, tough to take a, a Democrat Senate seat. Uh, in Arizona, but you know, as the demographics and culture changes, uh, it becomes more and more possible. As you could see, a far, far left Christian uh, uh, Cinema who uh, protested the war in a pink tutu, for God's sake, who said it was okay to join the Taliban and fight against the United States of America, is uh, on the verge of potentially winning yeah. a U.S. Senate seat. Uh, so uh, we've got to fight as hard as we can, and uh, I know a lot of people that have been uh, supporting Martha McSally. I've supported her myself. I have family in Arizona, and they all yep. voted for her, uh, and I think she's going to win, but we're going to have to be patient and wait on that one. Yeah, well, it, it really has been yeah. really close, um, and, and with all the things you said there, uh, it's so disappointing for humanity that it's even that close. Yeah. Um, so on to Missouri, we had Democrat incumbent Claire McCaskill. Uh, she lost to Josh Hawley, which was a good pickup for the conservatives. Uh, also, GOP candidate Kevin Kramer defeated North Dakota incumbent Heidi Heitkamp uh, in Indiana. Mike Braun defeated Democrat Joe Donnelly in Tennessee. Taylor Swift, her trip into politics didn't really pay off there uh, as GOP <laughs> candidate Marsha Blackburn won, defeating Bredesen. Uh, and then, of course, the high-profile race in Texas, uh, despite record-breaking fundraising by Beto O'Rourke, GOP stalwart and incumbent Ted Cruz pulled off the victory. Uh, were there any surprises here to you in the races we just listed here? Uh, I, but I would bet $20 that Ted Cruz's campaign team is surprised this yeah. morning. Uh, not that they won, but that it was so close. Because yeah. the Beto organization uh, and, and the leftists in this country that have money poured everything they could into that race. Uh, but I'm not surprised that he won. Uh, I, I, and I'm not surprised that he had the fight of his life. He set himself up for that uh, long ago, and uh, he knew that was going to happen. Uh, so they fought the good fight, and uh, they pulled it off. You know, Marsha Blackburn's the first woman in the history of the state of Tennessee, where my mother and father are from, uh, that, uh, to be elected to the United States Senate. 
nobody's even covering it except for people like us, yeah. you know, the, the lame corporate mainstream, whatever media you want to call them, the fake news media uh, is not talking very much about that because, of course, she's a woman in the conservative side and believes in America and those right. kind of things. But, no, there's, there's no uh, play there. Yeah, yeah but, that's a great, talk about. but that's a great hit. But the best news really is all those Democrats that are incumbents that you were named off that lost yep. all voted against Brett Kavanaugh. Yep. Every single one of them. And the only Democrat to survive that was in a Trump-style state that he took uh, was Joe Manchin, and he voted for Kavanaugh. Ladies and gentlemen that are in the Democrat Party in elected office, y'all better take a lesson from that one uh, because it's a real lesson and it actually happened and you got schwacked. Yeah, no, in it's the U.S. It, well, it's really true. I mean, yeah. and, and I think well, I mean let's stay on that for a second. You know, all of this news came up. We've we've seen what you, you, it's it reeked of of fake stories when they came out. The details were just missing, uh, and, and you're chastised if you went out and said that it was fake because you were insensitive and weren't listening to these women uh, who have since come out, several of them, and said that this was just all bogus, uh, just an attempt by the Dems to, to stir up controversy and get Kavanaugh either delayed or blocked altogether. But, mm -hmm. but this has really backfired. I mean, this has backfired a, a, in, a, in a big way. He has been confirmed. Uh, none of their fears of them going back against Roe versus Wade, any of that stuff, I think, is ever going to play out. It just was rhetoric that they used, and now they're losing seats over it in the Senate, which is obviously, you know, it's, that's going to bring big impact for us. Not just that, the victory in the Senate for the president in, in America, really, uh, is the, uh, the win for the Democrats in the House is... It's a dribble. It's not a wave. It wasn't yep. even a puddle. It's a dribble uh, dripping out of the faucet, you know. Uh, so they've got a very slim margin. Uh, and it really, that Kavanaugh uh, situation is going to come back to haunt the Democrats uh, in the House. Remember, it was the moderate Republicans, some, otherwise known as rhinos, that they pushed out. Yeah. So they've left the Republicans that are very conservative, that are very constitutional, and they're going to fight harder than that middle part of the Republican Party. So it's going to be tough for them to get any, anything that's out of the mainstream accomplished, but they will be able to get something accomplished if they believe in the Constitution of the United States and the rights of individuals uh, and will listen to the other side, but I doubt that's going to happen. So right. you're going to see a lot of... Uh, a lot of things happen with the uh, House, but uh, they're going to try to take advantage of their win, but it's really a loss for them that they didn't win as big as they predicted. So I, I want to move on to the GOP in a second here, but before we do, um, the, you know, before we talked Kavanaugh there, we talked Beto. So Beto lost, but there was, yeah. there's discussion, right, that even if he lost, he won. Um, yep. Just because of the fundraising he was able to do, the support he was able to get, uh, as close of a race as he made it, you know, we talked about Gillum earlier. Is he is he going to stick in politics? Or are we going to see a lot more of him? What what do you think about Beto? Is he is he is he going to be a candidate in 2020? Is he going to be where where does he go from here? Well, I think he, there's a high potential that he'll be a candidate in 2020, and he will be formidable. He comes across well. Uh, uh, people can relate to him, uh, but he's a leftist, yeah. uh, and what what lost him that race was his own uh, work. Quite frankly, was going far left. Uh, you know, not being in favor of Kavanaugh uh, and all these other things, uh, not, not uh, saying that, uh, that uh, standing up for the uh, national anthem with the flag is yep. important, you know, as Americans, that we honor that and keeping that and not keeping it out of politics, but keeping it in the mainstream of most Americans, when they see the flag, they don't think about political parties. 
They think about men and women that have sacrificed and died and, and, and uh, been destroyed or, or, or served their entire lives and have disabilities and those kind of things. They don't think about political parties when they see that play. They see America, uh, and Beto made some huge mistakes by going to the left on those issues, uh, and that is why he probably lost. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. I thought that was a huge yeah. mistake, yeah. Uh, and, and you did see, see things start to turn there. Um, I just don't like how weak the guy looks. I, I, the whole, his whole aura, he, he does come yeah. off well, uh, yeah. and I think he will be a formidable yeah. opponent, like you said, but he, uh, uh, he, he gives me the heebie-jeebies. Um, so the GOP held and, in fact, secured uh, for, uh, further control in the Senate, which we discussed, uh, which brings us to the whole thing of, of impact in D.C. So Democrats eked out a victory, albeit in the form, not in the form of a blue wave, a dribble, as you would say, uh, that, that everyone was expecting anyways in the House. Um, so... This, to me, was a highly predictable result. Like, I feel like we, we got kind of what we, what we, what we thought we were going to get. We're going to talk to David Camioner later in the show. He wrote a great article uh, that kind of broke down scenario one, two, and three and how, of how this plays out. This was, this was our prediction. This was his prediction. I should give him the credit for it. Yeah. Uh, but look, the, we were going to probably lose by not a huge margin, but, but a margin in the House. We're going to win and, and, in fact, pick up seats in the Senate. Uh, and, and, and we didn't get much into the gubernatorial races there, but, but all in all, this is about how we saw things going, don't you think? It is, uh, except the big wins in the Senate. The big wins in the Senate and the amount of majority that the Democrats have in the House being much less than, than say, Barack Obama's ma uh, majority at his mid first midterm. He lost 63 or 65 seats. Uh, I think it's at 32 seats now that the Republicans lost. So, uh, so, uh, so yeah, it's, it's the way I thought it was going to go, uh, and I was hoping for the best on the House side. But you know what? We could have done better as a Republican Party. Paul Ryan, I, I used to get fundraising emails from him all the time. He's the most prolific fundraiser in the, the Republican Party on the House side. I didn't get one. Not one from him this time. He was a ghost, uh, and th and that's unfortunate, uh, you know. And it hurt his home state in Wisconsin. Scott Walker lost his governor's race, yep. uh, and uh, and it's just unfortunate that the GOP leadership can't come together in a more, much more effective way. Because I think the outcome could have been different. Uh, you know, Steve Scalise and Kevin McCarthy, uh, the other two leaders in the uh, Republican House, did a great job uh, fundraising very prolifically. I mean, I don't think a day went by in it without I didn't get four emails from Steve Scalise yeah. over the last month. Uh, and that's great, but where was Paul Ryan? You can't yeah. just, you can't go lame duck when you're talking about an election every two years and it's so important to hold one of the chambers. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, we could have done better, but... Uh, you couldn't ask for a more better outcome if you were going to lose one of the chambers. Exactly. That's the one you yeah. want to lose. It's, it's a victory for them, but kind yeah. of a name only because there's only so much you can do. Yeah. And, and, and I would agree with your, your sentiment, too, on, on the GOP. I feel like we've, we've lost, well, I guess not lost, but left a lot on the table you know, for yeah. these first two years. There's a lot that could have been accomplished that wasn't because of that, that friction within the, the leadership ranks there. Um, so how do you see this playing out? From, from your optic, do you think right away they jump in, the Dems jump in in the House, even though uh, they've got some, some tough sailing ahead of them, but do they jump in and say, hey, we're going right after impeachment, we're going right after investigations? Is, is that their play? Is that how they start? Well, I can tell you what, the lamestream media that I follow uh, jumped right out this morning, early morning. The New Yorker went out with a tweet uh, highlighting we've got these great left-wing uh, uh, committee chairmen and women in the House of Representatives now that can just investigate Trump to their heart's content, uh, and then maybe we can go out and impeach the guy. Uh, so if the mainstream media uh, 
uh, and their narrative is going that way, it's usually an indicator of what the overall Democrat strategy is going to be. Uh, but we have hope. Nancy Pelosi's speech last night was one of that uh, was very balanced, that said she wanted to work together. It's time to get this done. The president has reached out saying she deserves to be Speaker of the House. I think those are two very good indications. However, uh, if they go down the strategy of impeach, investigate, impeach, investigate, uh, you're going to find uh, just total gridlock, except for in the U.S. Senate, where we'll, we'll be able to confirm judges, you know, ratify treaties, right. uh, stop bad legislation. Uh, and maybe even come up with some compromise legislation that works well for all Americans uh, and fix some of the problems that are out there, like the biggest problem that's been left for us by the leftist, and that's Obamacare. Yeah. Well, I want to go back a step. You know, if they go that way in the mainstream media is a good indicator of how their strategy is going to kind of play out. Do you think there's enough people in the Senate, you know, President Trump has divided everyone, not just uh, you know, driven the, the left into crazy land like they've done. But there's some folks in, on the right who are in office who don't agree with the president. Do you think there's enough there in the Senate that could maybe be, be lured over to the Democrat side if that impeachment process went through on the House and, and actually went to the Senate? Uh, well, it's entirely possible. There are anti-Trumpers that are in the U.S. Senate, but there are also things that just happened, the key one being Joe Manchin's victory in West Virginia, uh, because now he's for sure. He for sure knows why he was able to keep his seat. All the rest of the people that voted against Kavanaugh are gone. Right. Uh, the president said, see ya. Uh, so that's a key player in any kind of uh, workable legislation that we want to get done, that the president wants to get done, and a key player in stopping anything silly like some impeachment thing that comes out of the House of Representatives. He'll be the key player, I think, in that order. Uh, but uh, the anti-Trumpers and the never-Trumpers, or whatever you want to call those folks, uh, we'll have to watch them very carefully. And uh, Mr. McConnell is uh, good at putting pressure on people. Uh, you know, I've not always, I uh, don't always agree with what he's done as leader and have at times called for him to step down. <laughs> but uh, you know what? He's done, he did a great job with the judges and Kavanaugh especially. Uh, and uh, he is a politically level-headed individual, but he's very, very aggressive, just like Nancy Pelosi is. Yeah. Uh, and I don't think he'll let it happen from uh, that. And as time goes on, I think the president's uh, uh, getting more and more in the good graces of the anti-Trumper, never-Trumper crowd. I think so, too. I think you, you can't help but look at just the details and, and the facts that surround us now. Yeah. At, at, with unemployment, the economy, there's so much good going on if you can just drop the emotion and the rhetoric for a little bit and say, oh, you know what, there's actually some pretty darn good stuff yeah. happening in this country. So yeah. uh, I, I, I hope that that's where that particular group goes. I, I, would, I would hope uh, although I don't count on it, that, that a few Democrats on the House side and even the Senate side would, would feel the same way and start to say, okay, hey, let's, let's heal. Let's have some conversation here, and there are some good things going on. We hate your policy here, but, but this one is okay. Uh, let's, let's try to, to meet in the middle there at least. Look, it can be done. Uh, in my home state in Louisiana, we just passed a, a constitutional amendment that uh, removed the last vestiges of Jim Crow law that was put in place in the 1890s. Uh, we removed it, but it was a, I won't call it bipartisan because I think that's a, a term that, that people don't really understand. It was a team effort, and it was a team from all corners, libertarians, Democrats, progressives, uh, conservatives, uh, evangelicals, that were able to get that passed and get that last vestiges of Jim Crow law removed. And that's because we all saw it as the right thing to do, mm -hmm. but it was the American thing to do, right. and it was way too late in, in coming.
Uh, and those kinds of efforts that we can work together on, I believe. All right, so joining us now to carry on the discussion and make sense of all this is OpsLens contributor, U.S. Army veteran and political analyst David Camioner, and also LifeSet political contributor Connor Wolf. Gentlemen, thanks for being here. Thank you. Good to be here. So I imagine crazy uh, up in the D.C. area. We're coming off this. We've been talking midterms all day. Uh, and what I want to do is just go through some of the highlights with you guys. So, David, I'm going to start with you. You wrote a great article on OpsLens.com about kind of the three scenarios that can unfold uh, after last night. Uh, and scenario one, basically, this is what happened for you. Uh, are you surprised at all with the outcome? Uh, no. As you mentioned, we call this. We call this at OpsLens. Uh, you know, this was historically valid, uh, usually. Uh, the party in power in the White House loses approximately 30 seats. I think Republicans lost 32. Is it right now? 34, something like that. So, you know, yeah. just as long as you look at history, this wasn't hard to get. Also, you know, given the Kavanaugh, shall we say, uh, boomerang. Also, given the amount of Democrat seats that were up in um, Trump areas. I mean, this wasn't a hard one to call. It really, really wasn't. Yeah. Well, certainly, you know, we'll get into it a little bit here, but it, it wasn't, uh, you know, the blue wave, the red tsunami, all the things people talked about that it could be. Uh, so I'll toss this now to you, Connor. Do you think this was as good as a night as it could have gone for the GOP, given the circumstances? Um, well, it was really bittersweet. And um, that it's completely right that this was a predictable um, race. Essentially, um, what happened is going in, we knew the Republicans were going to hold the Senate um, just because of the number of seats they were defending and what the districts looked like. And we knew that the uh, Democrats had a very good chance of taking the House. That's exactly what happened, and as been has been pointed out, um, this runs in line with a lot of history. Uh, what's really interesting is this is kind of the opposite of what happened during the presidential election, uh, where all the polls and the surveys and all that stuff um, uh, didn't really amount to anything, and we got that surprise victory uh, by Trump and. Uh, so, yeah, it's it's good to see that polls and surveys and all these analytics still work. Um, but um, but, yeah, it was it was very predictable, but also very exciting just because it was predictable doesn't mean it was not exciting. And that's where the individual races uh, were very interesting. Yeah, for sure. Well, no, it was exciting. I mean, this was this there were a lot of fanfare went along with everything that happened with last night's election. Uh, obviously leading up and up up to it and and then and then following it. Um, so, you know, look, you, you've got the fallout today, right? You've got, you know, the Republicans happy. Hey, we expected to lose some seats. We've got the Democrats, you know, elated that they won the House. Uh, but we've talked earlier about this and, and, and it, but basically this is, this is normal for presidents to lose the House at this stage in their presidency. Rob, I mean, Rob, we'll go to all to everyone on this, but do you think that that's a fair assessment? Like, is that the way that this works? Oh, absolutely. It's the way it works. Uh, they, the Democrats needed to win uh, 24 seats to take the majority. Uh, uh, as David mentioned, they've got about 32 from what we can tell so far. Uh, we'll know for sure when all the returns are counted and those kinds of things. But I just call it a blue dribble. Uh, the blue wave turned into a dribble uh, and really met the average, uh, yeah. met the averages. Uh, so I'm not surprised at all by it. I'm pleased to see that the national level polling uh, has come back into line. So obviously the pollsters have learned some things from the errors that occurred. Uh, back in 2016, uh, because that analytics is very useful if it's accurate, uh, at least a little bit, uh, from the campaign perspective. Yeah, for sure. David, do you, I mean, don't you think that this is just historically what we've seen and what should be expected here? Is this something that the Dems should be real excited about, or is this just, hey, this is, this is probably what was going to happen regardless uh, of the campaign season? 
This is something that Dems should be very worried about, and I'll tell you why. In 1994, Bill Clinton lost 53, okay? And I think he lost six in the Senate. In 2010, Obama lost 63 in the House and nine in the Senate. And what we saw President Trump do was lose less than half of those almost at 27 approximately and gain in the Senate, perhaps up to five, but at least three. And guess what? Both Clinton and Obama, after those losses, went on to re-election. So if, if there's a Dem strategist worth their salt out there, this is not the this it's great tactical news. Strategically, they have some major issues. Yeah, for sure. So let me ask you this. What was the most important victory and loss? Let's do both. Uh, double double parted question here for the GOP last night. Most important victory was Texas. Uh, they put their money into it, they put their Hollywood airheads into it, they put hundreds of millions of dollars, 70 million in the last quarter, and they still came a cropper. So that was the greatest. Um, uh, victory for the GOP and the greatest loss of the Dems. There's a very interesting race that not many people noticed in New York State, which is now totally Democrat, by the way, at every level. And that was for the Attorney General. A woman by the name of Letitia James won it. She is minority. Uh, she is very, very radical. And given it's in New York State where the president has some of his, if not a lot of his business dealings, she would have jurisdiction over some of that. So it might just not be subpoenas coming from the Hill. It could be subpoenas coming from the New York AG. That could be very, very annoying to the president. Connor, what do you think? Biggest, biggest win for the GOP last night? And what was their biggest loss? Well, I, I, I agree uh, that Texas uh, was the biggest win. Um, obviously, uh, Democrats put a lot of money into that. Um, uh, Cruz was still able to pull that out. Um, I think the president um, campaigning hard for him. Uh, definitely helped. Um, um, that uh, I, I'm not sure he would have lost or or won uh, without the president, but I think it it was definitely it was definitely helpful. Um, but there were some other interesting races as well that are worth mentioning. Um, Indiana, I had a close eye on uh, with Braun. Um, that was a race that. Um, it, it sure it collected a lot of money as well, millions of dollars, but nowhere near as much as Texas. Uh, but what was interesting about it is Braun put in a ground game. He he worked hard. Um, he uh, he came in as an outsider, businessman. He 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 made that part of his campaign. Um, he he comes in. He puts in a good ground game. He's doing really well. And then Trump campaigns for him really hard towards the end. Um, holding two rallies within the last week, and I think three within the last two weeks um, for Braun. Um, so it was just a good combination of events, and he was able to flip the seat. A uh, bunch of other interesting races uh, like that as well. For the opposite reason, North Dakota was interesting. Uh, it went the way we thought it would. Um, uh, high camp started going down in the polls. Uh, some people have attributed that to the uh, no vote on Kavanaugh. Um, Others have said, well, she voted that way because she already knew she was going to lose. It was a very red state. She tried to appeal as a moderate, um, but it just didn't work. Um, yeah. But yeah, a lot of the other ones were very close, very interesting. And you saw a couple seats flip in the Senate, which was nice for the Republicans. Well, I, I, absolutely. Uh, I think you're right on all fronts there. And I think the, the Kavanaugh effect just can't be 
you know, stated enough how much this came back into play. You know, they put so much time, energy, and effort into making up stories in some of these cases, spending time, money, and effort on it, yeah. and then it and then it totally you know blows up in their face, <laughs> and it's and it's you know. So I think that that to me is is proven to be something really interesting that hopefully they learn from moving forward. I don't think they will, um, but. But so so let let's do this. I I, I want to go to all of you guys on this. Uh, but Connor, I'm going to start back with you. Um, so so two in a row for you there. But uh, so the GOP had a great night in terms of the gubernatorial and Senate races, uh, some of which you just mentioned there. What kind of impact does that have moving forward into 2020? Um, well, um, there's uh, uh, still a lot of questions, and um, um, uh, but we have a good sense of what might happen. Obviously, the Republicans maintaining control of the Senate is a big, big victory. If they were going to lose one chamber, it might as well be the House because they can still get their judges through and their other uh, appointees. So that's good. Um, Trump has already completed a lot of his agenda. Um, he likes to brag that he was able to get a lot done in his first couple of years. Uh, well, that's pretty true, especially on the economics front, the deregulation, the uh, tax cuts, the tax reform in general. Um, and those things aren't going to go away very easily just because the Democrats have control of the House. So the Trump agenda as is may be slow to improve and advance, uh, but it's not going to be deteriorated in any way, uh, at least not likely. Um, and then there's areas of bipartisanship, and this is where... Um, uh, we're likely to see gridlock in a lot of areas, but I think that there's um, there's an interest for both parties to work together. I think that will resonate, and it's a victory for both parties if they're able to pass a big piece of legislation uh, right now. And uh, McConnell uh, talked this morning about um, about a conversation he had with Nancy Pelosi, and they're already talking about ways to work together, especially infrastructure. That was talked about way at the beginning of uh, Trump's presidency. People thought Trump was going to do that first uh, just to build some kind of bipartisan uh, bridge after that contentious presidential election. That obviously didn't happen. They focused on other things and they were successful with some of it, uh, a lot of it, not all of it, but a lot of it. Uh, but infrastructure, I think, would be a big victory for both parties if they're able to get something that's actually a good package uh, together. Both can come home with a victory on that. Yeah, for sure. Well, it's going to be really interesting to see kind of the tone that they take with Pelosi, assuming she she falls into that role moving forward. She's, of course, been one of the ones who at least, you know, as much as I make fun of her and, and I'm not a big fan of her policies, has, has fought back and said, no, we're not going after impeachment. We're not doing this. We'll see uh, again when she when she when she slides into that 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 spot and she has all those voices yelling at her what they do there. So, David, for you, transitioning over to you with these gubernatorial and Senate races, what what kind of impact do you think it has on the 2020 election? Well, the gubernatorial Senate races, uh, the Senate races are going to be great legislatively in the next two years, but the gubernatorial races, because they come with state political machines, are going to help Trump very much. But hearkening back just a little on the 2020 election to what we talked about in the House, a lot of you've got to remember that a lot of people that won, like Connor Lamb in Pennsylvania, ran as a blue dog Democrat. They can't afford to go too left or they lose those moderate creds and they could be one-termers. So they're not going to be the ones, the newly ones elected or the ones newly elected aren't going to be as liberal as you think. Number one. Number two, two states, Florida and Pennsylvania. The GOP lost some races they should not have lost in the South uh, in, uh, in this term, specifically in South Florida, the Curbelo race and the Leighton race. There's no way in the world those should not be Republican seats. And the Dems flipped both. One of them with 77-year-old Donna Shalala, who's not even a Latin in a serious Latin district. 
So the Republicans are going to have to look to see how they see this and how they play it again, because there's some outreach that needs to go that they're not doing right now. And not only just the Latin, because we hear that as a cliche all the time, but to a lot of um, minority voters who actually are very socially conservative. And the church is still a big part of their lives. A lot of them, to be perfectly frank, are matriarchal uh, communities. And if you talk about social issues that Republicans sometimes are afraid to talk about because of what they press, they think they're going to get nationally, you can make some inroads into there. I mean, we've seen the numbers that President um, Trump is getting amongst the black community, especially with black males. If he keeps pushing that, 2020 could have some pleasant surprises for him. Yeah. Well, hopefully more surprises like we saw in Florida. Obviously, you know, that Cabrillo race in, in, in the Miami area wasn't good for us, but it really still, we talked about it earlier today in the show, yeah. shocking to see, uh, I, I thought, I, I really was, was pleasantly surprised to see both Gil, uh, Gillum lose and then also um, have Scott go on and get the victory against Nelson. So we'll see. Uh, but, but the demographics keep changing here. The, the, the politics keep changing in Florida. Rob, what's your stance before we move on 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 the biggest impact moving forward for 2020? Well, I think the biggest impact's already started. The president has uh, already uh, reached out by saying uh, that Nancy Pelosi deserves to be the speaker. Uh, that is a two-track path, the way I see it, and uh, he's a lot smarter than I am in this business. So he's chosen the path of working with you, bipartisan, supports you to be speaker. Uh, but if you become the speaker and you don't work with me, I'll have my target of, uh, of opportunity and target of choice uh, to take a shot at you every single day because you are not the most popular woman in America, whether you are the most powerful Democrat woman in America. <laughs> right. and, and the Democrats have already shown, and the mainstream media has already shown this morning, uh, that they want their, their committee chairmen and women to uh, initiate even more investigations into President Donald Trump, his businesses, and go back as far in his history as they possibly can. So if that's their strategy, the president has picked the right path, and he's going to win by a landslide in 2020. We can all hope so. I like it. Um, so moving forward, you know, we, we touch on 2020 there. We've, we've talked about Pelosi and, and O'Connell meeting. Um, so th th there's some, some good stuff happening here, but it's early. I mean, it's literally hours <laughs> after the election. So what's the message moving forward? What, what should people, you know, be thinking? Is, is there reason for optimism or do we remain extremely divided? David, I'll start with you. We remain divided. In fact, you know, and we've talked about this before, Drew, um, it seems to me one of the major messages coming out of this midterm is that the country is even more polarized and will be even more polarized than right now going into 2020. So this comes down to some really existential issues about this country, yeah. about, you know, is there an American way anymore? Are, are we people just sharing real estate or do we have shared mores and values? If you look at San Francisco, look at the Democrats we've seen on the streets in the, in the riots, and we look at the Republicans today who took a hit. I mean, they took the House. I'm not seeing any Republican riots, strangely, today. Yeah. So if we, look at, if we look at the, uh, yeah, exactly. So if we look at the way both sides approach life, approach politics, approach their families, approach issues, not only lifestyle issues, but political issues across the board, I think, you know, especially with the generation coming up, we have to ask ourselves some very, very serious questions that one, can we bridge this divide somehow? In, in other elections a long time ago, and not even that far ago, you know, you get hit real bad and then you'd get up from the floor and buy the other guy a drink. Well, that's not happening this time. No. The, uh, the other sides are, are set really much against each other. Now, President um, Trump, as Rob pointed out, is being a gentleman. Why? Because he wants Pelosi as speaker, as he mentioned. He wants that target, the devil we know and who served us in the past. However, some of the um, blue dog Democrats may not be that obliging. Also, on the other side, Jim Jordan is running against Kevin McCarthy. 
Jim Jordan's a good man. He's Freedom Caucus, and he will push the Republican Caucus further to the right, thus increasing the polarization with a lot of new socialist Democrats. So this isn't going to be, you know, we're not going to be friends anytime soon. If not, it's going to get worse. And we're going to have to ask ourselves at one point, if it doesn't get better, what are we going to do about it? And to think we've got Thanksgiving coming up here right now, I I tend to agree with you. Connor, do you think that any healing can happen moving forward? And also, do you think that that maybe the Dems having, you know, tried the Kavanaugh thing, they've tried so many attempts here, they've tried just the, hey, we hate Trump, uh, or you've got, you know, Rich Maddalena who went out there and said, I'm just going to kiss some dude to to anchor Trump. You know, the whole thing has been ridiculous. Um, But do you think that they change their policy moving into 2020 uh, or, or does it just continue to go off the rails and go further to the, to the, to the left? Uh, I think it's going to be a little bit of both, actually, because they have a balancing act to, um, to accomplish here. Uh, obviously, a lot of the new members of the party and, um, are more far left than, um, say, someone like Nancy Pelosi. Um, so they have to appeal to them too, because those are that's a growing and potentially powerful voting block, um, and uh, that's the more progressive to all the way to the Democratic Socialists, like the big Bernie Sanders fan. Uh, there's a big block there, but at the same time, uh, moderates and moderate Dems are still very important and are still probably the bulk of the party at this point, um, even with these new ideas coming in. Um, so if you go too far to the left, you're going to turn a lot of those people off as well. Uh, maybe the moderate Dems will vote down or stay home and not necessarily go Republican. Uh, but the moderates, the true moderates, uh, they tend to like even-handed, uh, level-headed approaches to politics. They don't like the um, extreme policies on either side. Um, and so it's a balancing act. They don't want to lose the new ideas, the new folks, um, the more socialist and the more far-left people. Uh, but they don't want to lose the more moderately minded either. So we're probably going to be seeing both. We're going to be seeing areas where the Democrats are going to try to work and uh, try to solve some things uh, like infrastructure, as, as I mentioned, uh, maybe even uh, health care, though, I, I doubt it. But that's obviously an area both part at uh, both sides agree needs work. Um, but um, but they're also going to be trying to do the other stuff. And there's going to be uh, members of the party who aren't necessarily aligned with leadership who will be trying to obstruct uh, Trump and and uh, do what they can to stop him, subpoenas, uh, maybe even impeachment, uh, whatever it may be. Um, as you mentioned, uh, Nancy Pelosi is a, a little bit um, um, uh, not as extreme as, as a lot of the other people in her party. And I think Mitch McConnell is, uh, they're both kind of old fashioned, level headed uh, politics. Sure, they both play dirty at times and uh, they're both very aggressive, but they know the rules of of uh, of the House and Senate, um, they're they've been in Washington for a while. Uh, they know um, when to work together and the advantages of working together, and that fighting and obstruction all the time isn't necessarily politically advantageous. Um, so having them in leadership positions, and obviously Trump is is shooting for for Nancy Nancy Pelosi as well for the Speaker position. I, I think that's hopeful. But it, I think it's also completely right that we're very, very divided. Um, no signs that we're not going to be divided soon. And so it's a big balancing act. And there's a lot of um, angry people in this country. So that's what they had to work with. Yeah, no, it's, it's that's so true. And, and we'll end here, Rob. I mean, I, you know, with, with those comments there, we've got 
2020 coming, but let's forecast even further ahead than that. You've got, you know, uh, what the left would consider a very bombastic president. Certainly he does things differently than, than presidents before him have done. <laughs> just a little. <clears throat> just, I mean, just slightly. So, but he's, he's done things differently. Do you think, you know, as, as far left as the left has gone, or at least parts of them, factions of them have, that 2020 and beyond, we start to find our way back to the middle? You know, maybe the healing doesn't happen between now and 2020, but maybe come 2024, um, there, there's some, some progress there because people are like, okay, you know, the right has gone too far right, in their opinion. The left has gone too far left, and, and those more establishment traditionalists start to, to rise to the top again? Well, a couple of issues there. Uh, the main one uh, is the opportunity is now. Uh, as David said, we face an existential threat in this country and a difference in values of the majority of the base of the Democratic Party uh, really, from, uh, from my perspective, no longer believes in the values of the Constitution of the United States, liberty, the pursuit of happiness, uh, the right to life, all of those things that America was founded on. The, le the far left has gone completely off uh, the reservation, and they're the ones being violent in the streets. Yeah, and the party so leadership that was not in government is now in government as of January. And Nancy Pelosi is, and here's a, a key issue, Nancy has taken the, the right approach so far. Her comments last night were about uh, getting things done together, working together. It's time to change things. But what I'm concerned about is they have let it go on on the left so long that now the violent factions uh, and the socialist violent factions uh, are going to be hard-pressed to roll that back and throttle that back. And those of us on the right, we continue to uh, take care of our rights. We want to keep our Second Amendment rights. There's a reason for that, because yeah. I have a right to defend my life and my home and my family, yeah. because I'm an American. That's why the Second Amendment exists. And that is going to be an issue unless the Pelosi's of the world, that they're now in government, can A, work with the other side, the president and the other side, Mitch McConnell, uh, and get things done that work for America. But more importantly, they've got to reel their side back in. You haven't seen that much from the right. There may be a couple of hundred neo-Nazis out there and those right. kind of things that we saw with the, uh, with the uh, Charlottesville uh, issue. And, and, and yes, that happened. But by and large, 99% of the violence is happening with grassroots folks on the left. And that's got to be reeled in before those of us on the right and, and really in the middle in America on the Constitution are going to really believe that we're out of the existential threat that we now face. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's century. no, it's it's very true. It, it 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 does feel like a smaller piece. I think we're really they, they just uh, they've gotten so enraged over over tweets and and comments and um and and that's what's driving it. And and yeah. we you know, on our side, most people there's some who go to the to the far right as you've described. There's mm -hmm. folks who are in the middle who say, look, I don't really like how he tweets or the fact that he says thinks exactly uh, what he thinks. He just, you know, he just flies off the, the cuff and, and that's how he rolls. I think yeah. it's hilarious. I think it's awesome. Um, I think a lot of other people do too. There's times where I think it, it doesn't play well, um, but that's what's driving them on, on, on our side. It just doesn't lead to the violence that it would for them. So, uh, well, listen, gentlemen, this was, this was really good. This was really interesting to have your perspective. Um, that's all the time we have for today, but I, but I want to thank you, Rob, for, for being in studio. Uh, with me here all day. And then David and Connor, thank you guys so much for joining us. Uh, it was thank great you. to have your feedback. Great. Thanks for, the, to be. for the rest of you, we'll be back with our regular program tomorrow. And remember when it comes to your news and political commentary, experience matters. Have a great day.